Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Amigos and music lovers out there, bienvenidos to another episode of Behind the Industry of Pili, Raul, and La Musica. I'm Pili, and I'm here with my amazing co-host. Raul Campos, what's up, everybody? Woo, the crowd goes crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Bananas. Bonkers. Um, I'm excited because today we have a woman in music that I truly, truly, truly admire. She's a journalist, a writer, a novelist, a pianist, a TV show host, and the list goes on. She's mostly noted for... Latin music billboard coverage. Currently, she's a VP of Latin content for Billboard, overseeing brands coverage and development of Latin music across all its platforms. She is instrumental in growing Billboard's Latin presence. She is a host of the weekly podcast Latin Hitmaker. She's a friend. And again, she's someone that I truly, truly admire and someone who inspires me constantly. En la música latina, we are talking about none other than the amazing Leila Cobo. <laughs> and she's awesome because we've known her for many, many years, but she's a trailblazer and she's just laid her own path, which is kind of cool to see because you never know which direction life is going to take you. But to see where she's landed and all the success that she's had with Billboard, it's pretty amazing to see. She's really helped put Latin music on the map. And she's one, as as a female in music myself, she's just someone that I really look up to, you know? And we got, as music lovers, as Latin music lovers, we really got to thank her and hats off to Leila Cobo for everything she's done for our genre. And you have a really cool story about your collaboration with Billboard as a DJ, right, Raul? Well, back in the day, you always kind of dream of being the DJ, you know, the life of the party and just playing all the music and just putting smiles on people's faces. But when you kind of gravitate to the club scene and you get a little bit older, then you really start seeing the power of the DJ and the selection, the curation and influencing, you know, stuff like radio and club play and the charts. So there's the Billboard club chart that was kind of this exclusive thing back in the day that is something like 128 DJs across the U.S. that get wow. selected. You have to get invited to be on this uh, panel, if you will, where you're, you uh, do weekly charts and they're submitted to Billboard and that dictates the club play, the chart. So it's one of these kind of things where it's like, wow, I've made it. You know, you dream of being that Billboard club DJ because back then and still today, Billboard's kind of the Bible when it comes to the charts, whether it's sales, radio. Oh, 100%. So you were part of that of that club DJ list. Yeah. Yay! Of course you were. Yeah. And to be part of that back in the day. It, and then when, you know, when I left kind of the club scene and the club DJ, I I'm okay. Well, I'm going to leave my slot behind. And I opened it up for somebody else that was kind of that progressive club DJ when I was kind of finishing up school and then maybe 
leaving school and getting back into radio. And that's how I ended up getting into KCRW. But yeah, that's a, it's a crazy story from back in the day. And I always looked up to some of the DJs that I knew that were billboard reporters, you know, back in the day, you think of people like, you know, Louis Vega, David Morales, Mm -hmm. Josh Wink. Here in LA, we had Carlos Mongalo, Steve Beltran, amazing DJs that were kind of dictating what the future of the club play was going to be. And back then, it kind of led to what you would hear on the radio. So if there was a a dance track that was playing in the clubs, eventually would end up on radio. So to kind of lay down that foundation and open the path for certain tracks and artists whether they were established somebody like madonna or somebody that was up and coming that you didn't even know about some german dj that is kind of like first starting out and you get them played on the radio that's kind of a big deal to hear your music on the radio so it was kind of those first initial steps with that club chart so it was an honor to be part of it That's so cool. And that's so cool that you were able to talk to her about it. And we also talked to Layla about the struggles of being a musician, because maybe you guys don't know that Layla is a musician herself and she's Mm -hmm. also married to a musician. And, you know, she talks about the difficulty of putting yourself out there like that, you know, in such a vulnerable way, your feelings and trying to empathize with them. So people really take Billboard seriously. Like you said, it's kind of like a Bible in music. So She even says that you really must be careful with what you say as a reporter because you can influence people in so many ways. So please enjoy this amazing conversation. I think you guys are going to learn a lot about Layla's trajectory and, of course, about Billboard itself. So here we go with this behind the industry of Pilita Hola Musica with Layla Cobo. Leila Cobo, what a pleasure, what an honor to have you on this podcast. I was just sharing that for us and for our followers, it's just truly a gift for you to share a little bit more about your journey, about yourself, and of course, about our passion for music, which we all share right now. Así que bienvenida. No, Billy, thank you. Thank you, Raul. I know I follow what you guys do closely. And I love it because you you um, we're talking about love of music and that's really what it is, no? And and uh, and the two of you, I love what you do here because you run the whole gamut. You have like huge names, and then you have like more alternative up and coming names, and and that's it's hard to do that. It's hard to to spread the love, and you guys are able to do that, and and that's wonderful and valuable and commendable. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all about the passion, really, you know, and and just like you write about, you know, not just the past, the present, but also the future. So we're always looking for whoever that next uh, up and coming superstar is going to be that next Despacito that's going to drop sometime in the future. Oh, my God. It's like la la pregunta del millón, right? Total, total. Yep, yep. Bueno, Leila, you grew up in Cali, eh, Colombia, which is a very musical town. It's a very musical city. And also you come from a very musical family. When did you actually realize that you could join both of your passions of music and journalism? When I, when I was older, when I was little, um, have you been to Cali, Pili? I have not been to Cali. I have been to Bogota and I have been to Cartagena. Ah, bueno, está bien, está bien. <laughs> me falta, me falta explorar un poquito más de tu patria. 
It's it's a very it's a very musical country overall. Um, yeah. But Cali, like I never realized how much the the musical influence was there. I think until relatively recently, when I go back, I just kind of feel it mm. um, because it's like music is always there. It's such a presence. Pero cuando yo era chiquita in in our house, um, we got um, I played the piano. We all had to take piano lessons. Uh, but anyway, I, I grew up in a city that's very musical, different from the music that we had at home. Um, my mother plays the piano really well. My dad was a big music lover. And so they wanted all of us to take music lessons. So we, we you know, we all started playing the piano. And But my dad was also a great, um, he was a great salsa dancer and a great lover of salsa. So there was a lot of music in the house. And then there's a lot of music outside the house. Mm -hmm. And I think you think that this is normal, right? You think that everybody is always listening to music and everybody is always dancing and, and that every party involves dancing. Like I had no idea that you didn't go to parties and not dance until seriously, like until when I went to college, I'm like, people don't dance. Like, como así? So I think in retrospect, um, Kali really fostered my love of music, but I, I was always vacillating between, am I going to be a musician or am I going to write, which is what I thought I did really well. And then I kind of ended up marrying them in, uh, after, after I got my degree in piano, I thought, hmm. I don't know if I'm good enough to compete with some of these people that do classical piano who are really extraordinary, but I have like another little power, which is I, I really like language and I like writing and I had no idea how I was going to do it, right. but I just figured, I just think that if you throw things out there, you kind of, I don't know, the world gives you a path. <laughs> but there really wasn't like any other Leila out there, right? Nobody that was doing what you do now. So you basically created this for yourself. I think I did, yeah. I I have to say that when I first started, my, my big ambition was I said, okay, I'm going to be the classical music critic in a major newspaper in the United States because I, I was enamored of the United States, I admit. Uh, but, you know, that's really hard to do because they're, they already have their classical music critics. And uh, and so unless someone died, I didn't I, I, mean, I wasn't <laughs> sure how to even begin to do that. And so I, um, I I very much I, I, st I did a lot of stuff, Billy. And, and and I would like I know you both have. I did radio. I love radio. Radio is a very favorite medium of mine. I did television. And then I very luckily got a job at the LA Times. I, I got a master's at, at USC at the Annenberg School and the LA Times was looking for a bilingual copy editor oh. and they couldn't find one. And I had no idea what a copy editor was because I had worked in TV, not in print press. And, uh, and a friend of mine said, no, no, you should apply because Spanish is your first language and you can do this. And so I did, and I kind of lucked into that job. And that's when I thought, oh, okay, voy a hacer la, la crítica de música clásica de LA Times. Bueno, eso no iba a pasar. So I started <laughs> to write about Latin music because I thought, you know what? I know music. I know my music. Right. I like my Latin music. Why can't I write about Latin music? Like I, I studied music. I can do this. And, uh, and I started doing it. And that was really the beginning. And the rest is history. <laughs> 
You know, the other <laughs> thing that's weird is you you never know, like, you know, being bilingual and thinking, okay, yeah, we grew up in a bilingual family. Is Like, isn't everybody like this? And especially in a, in a city like LA, right? It's like, well, yeah, anybody could do, you know, bilingual translation and copy editing. But no, there's so few people that can, that actually have the talent. So I'm glad you kind of you opened up that own pathway for yourself. It was very cool. It was, it was very surprising to me when I went to school in LA. And then when I started working in LA, that a lot of people speak the language, but they don't know how to write it. Right. And or they know how to write it, but not proficiently enough because they haven't gone to school in the language. It's not like it's anybody's fault. Es otro idioma. Claro. Eh, so, pero wow, it's very valuable. If I could go back in time, I wish I had learned how to speak five languages and that would be even better. Yeah. Pero I do too. So that's that. No, it's the same. I mean, I'm guilty of that. My writing isn't that good in Spanish. And I even think now in English, born and raised in LA. Do you still yeah. think in Spanish or do you now think in English when when you're like writing your pieces? Uh, I think in both, but I think I think more in English. I love English as a as a writing medium. A friend of mine once told me she loved English because she felt that there was a perfect word for everything. <laughs> and, huh. and I think I had never thought about it that way, but I think that's true. Whereas, whereas in Spanish, como que uno le da la vuelta, you know, you know, it takes you like 10 words to say what you want to say <laughs> English. But it makes English it more poetic, poetic though. Yeah. It does. And it does. obviously it's a roma romance language, así que es un poquito más romántico el español. But yes, like sí. yeah. English is más to the point. Totalmente. Yes. It's más to the point. And you're talking about like, you know, growing up in Colombia, being, LA, being in L.A., now being in Miami. I mean, there's so many different genres, there's so many different styles, but at the same time, it's very kind of generational and it cycles, it recycles. But have you been able to kind of decipher and kind of roll with the changes and understand the trends in Latin music? I have to say that the, I work in Billboard and... I really think the charts keep me honest. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and whenever I bring new people into Billboard, I always tell them it's not about writing, just about what you like. Uh, you have to really keep your ears open because a lot of times music that you don't like is what's really working in the charts. And we can't ignore the charts at Billboard anyway. <laughs> you know, so I when I find music that's that starts climbing, I'm like, okay, what is this? I've never heard of this. ¿Qué, qué te voy a decir? A ver, Eslabón Armado, Natanael Cano, and all of that right. movement of uh, of Sat Sierreño and, and started coming in. I was like, what is this stuff? I've never heard of these guys. And then you hear them because they're they're peaking in the charts, and you're like, okay, it's interesting. Like, look at this music; it's like rappy, but it's over <laughs> guitars, and so it's a little bit of urban. But they use guitars; they're not using uh, the accordion. Like, what is this? And then you start discovering all these movements, and it forces you really. You gotta keep your ears open. Doesn't mean you have to listen to it all day, pero. I always say that if there is a big group of people listening to something, there's something there. There's something right. that at least is connecting. So let me try and figure out what is connecting. I don't have to like it, but okay, I appreciate that. They're all speaking the language of teenage angst through whatever medium. Algo, pero como que hay que encontrarle 
el sabor a toda esa música. I think that's what keeps you on your toes. I mean, yeah, that's definitely like the biggest challenge, right? It's like to separate your taste versus sí. qué es lo que está pegando. Totalmente. Totalmente. Y no estoy diciendo que toda la música sea buena porque está pegando. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Eh, And I would agree with you. <laughs> yes, we, we all agree with that. We all agree with that. You know, L love the charts on Billboard because, yeah, they, they now they're the, considered the standard. But you guys, you know, Billboard was really kind of pioneering back in the day when those charts first started showing up. And, you know, being a club DJ before a radio DJ, I, it was a massive honor to be asked to be, you know, one of the contributors for the club yes. chart back in the day. I was one of the 128, you know, club DJs across the U.S. that was reporting to Billboard. And to me, that was like, okay, wow, I've made it. I'm on Billboard. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. It is, especially that chart because it was so selective, right? You, you, you had to be invited in. Mm -hmm. uh, to to report what you were playing, yeah, I I, I love that. Uh, but the Billboard charts, I mean, they're very scientific, and uh, they really they didn't start being scientific because before the measurement, like back in the day, the Billboard is over a hundred years old. So wow. when it first started, the and when they first started monitoring radio, DJs would call in and say, "Okay, this is what we're playing." So you had to believe them. Now. You know, there's BDS, now there's SoundScan, now now all the streams are tabulated. So you really know exactly what is playing when and where and for how long. And we aggregate all that data to create the charts, which are not perfect, but I think they're as good as they can be. Right. For sure. Uh, many people don't know that you're a musician yourself. You did mention it at the beginning of the interview. How do you think that being a musician contributes to your music journalism? I think it's absolutely essential. Um, first, because I think it informs my taste and it informs what I hear. So even if it's a completely different kind of music and maybe one that I'm not so familiar with, I can at least you know, I think here like the basics and say, okay, I like this. Okay. This is going somewhere, you know, like I, I have trained ears. And then the second thing, actually there's three things that are valuable. Then the second thing is I'm married to a musician right? who's actually <laughs> in the recording studio a lot. So a lot of the self come out and be like, Hey, can you hear this? Like, what do you think of this production? Or le pregunto cosas técnicas que I can't hear. Right. And then, so I do ask him for a lot of advice there and he'll say things like, oh, well, the here, this was, this is a very compressed sound or whatever, like things that I'm not really, up, you know, no conozco también. And then the, the last thing, and I think this is the most important thing is that when I sit down and, and speak with artists, I really try to understand them. I mean, This is so hard to do. Like, even if you're like the worst artist in the world, it's still so hard to do. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I try to empathize with that. It's hard to get on a stage. It's, yeah. it's hard to put your music out there. It's hard to put your feelings out there. So I'm always trying to put myself a little bit in their shoes and thinking, okay, I'm releasing this single. It's, There's a lot of hopes and dreams. So there's a lot of empathy on your on your behalf. I really try to be 
to to do that and i really try to to talk to them from a point of understanding Mm. do you think of that like when you're when you're putting out your own pieces your own writing pieces where now you know it's like you're you're putting your words out there it's like the same thing it's your art you know you become a bit of a of a historian and educator on latin music and it's really important to to document these times and this history because really that that's what that's what your pieces tend to be about you know you're capturing that moment in time but you're also putting your words out there as an artist well i don't think of myself and my i think when i'm a journalist i see it more as a craft than an art me personally but that's that's just my personal opinion but yeah i do and and one of the things about billboard is when i first started in billboard i didn't realize at the beginning how seriously people take it <laughs> and that you can't just like throw out an opinion there (laughs) just because uh, I mean people will get very upset or very happy or very whatever but you know they will get very something and so you really have to be careful what you say and how you say it Um, so that's one thing but it's it's terrible when you write something and people hate it and they say it (laughs) so that's also (laughs) another thing right so that's also another reason why I empathize with artists because I'm like I, I get you like no one yeah, likes to yeah. be torn down in social right. media or you know or anywhere. Um, so yeah, they, they uh, might not uh, agree. Just like you, you might not think of like a musical genre or a song as like one of your favorites, but at the same time, it's got to be respected. You know, as a craft, like you said, you know, and you're you're putting your words on paper. Yeah. But but I see what you're saying, Raul, and yes, I do think it's a responsibility, and I do think it's a responsibility to do it, not to just cover it, but to do it, I I think, intelligently is the word that Mm -hmm. I that mm-hmm. I would like to use because I find that a lot of music journalism is very superficial and in the sense that it's kind of like, ah, salió el nuevo sencillo y se sienten muy complacidos, you know, so let's go a little bit deeper than that. Like, how did you, how did you write it? How did you promote it? Today we were talking, I'll give you an example about Sofia Reyes. Yeah. That one of her songs, Uno, Dos, Tres, yep. or One, Two, Three, mm-hmm. is suddenly charting. And now uh, we were saying, now, exactly. That was exactly my reaction. I'm <laughs> Interesting. Like, why is this song charting now? And then someone said, no, well, it just came out. I said, no, no, no. That song is like three years old. Like, yeah. why is it charting now? And so now the question is, we're looking into it. Like, why is it charting now? Did it, did it get into a film? Did it get TikTok? into a series? Like, is it on TikTok? Then it turned out that it's being used for reels. But why is it being used for reels two years after the fact? So all of that I find fascinating and fun and interesting. And and those are kinds of things we like to write about. What is the story behind the song? Why did this song work and this one didn't? Uh, why is there a... Uh, no sé qué movimiento hay ahora. Hay tantos movimientos. Eh, ¿Por qué se están... Look what happened with Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> oh, my God. That is such a great story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The TikTok guy. For a band that deserves it too. Yeah. <laughs> Having so much fun talking with our dear friend Leila Cobo. Let's put a little pause on this right now and throw out that question to you. You know, we're talking about amazing Latin artists, but 
chime in. Send us a message on our socials. Who is your favorite Latin artist at the moment? And Oof. also, if you... Such uh, a hard Philly, question. I know the list. That's this, a this hard is question. Be, <laughs> this is going to be one of those kind of hard questions everybody's going to respond to. It's like, no, there's no way I can just pick one. I, I think we're going to get a little Bad Bunnies. Hey, nothing wrong with Bad Bunny. We no, love Bad not, Bunny. No, not at all. You know, Jay Balvin's, the Malumas of the world. But then there's also that up and coming artist that's really making the noise right now. And that's the beautiful thing about talking with somebody like Leila Cobo is like, as she said, you know, we're not just about the megastars like Santana, Setangana. You know, there, there's so many great up and coming artists that we love to feature. And just like behind the industry, if there's somebody that you think that we should talk to that's making a lot of noise in the industry of music, Latin music, then let us know. Hit us up. Drop us a line at Billy Raul and La Musica. And while you're there, support, subscribe, tell a friend, give us a rating. What do we want, Billy? Five stars! All right, let's get back to this amazing chat with our dear friend, Leila Cobo. But, you know, we're talking about change. And also, out of those 100 years that Billboard has been alive, 20 of those years, Leila has been part of that history. And yes, a lot of oh my God. 20 plus years, right? And a lot of change has happened. And we're just talking about those changes right now. So in your opinion... What has been like the most pivotal change within the industry that has been for the better? I think that streaming has really changed the game for us. Um, because prior to that, even though we had big peaks, um, especially when I, you know, I started in Billboard kind of right after Ricky Martin and Shakira and all of that, I started the, the in, crossover. <laughs> and the crossover, I started in 2001 and this was just all starting and this was a real, a real high, but then it, it settled down. And then you had all those issues with digital downloads in Latin America and with piracy and, and the industry was very decimated. And while it was very clear to me, because especially because I was by then in Miami, so I could see kind of South and North. So to me, the world wasn't just the States. I could see everything that was going on in Latin America. Right. So for me, the musical movement was always exciting, but it was really hard to get people that weren't Latin to see it that way. Mm. Uh, because people that weren't Latin, all they would see was the billboard charts and there's nothing Latin in there. Oh yeah, there was a billboard explosion five years ago and now there's nothing you know, right. happening. Um, but when streaming happened, which I would say began kind of with Despacito, which is only five years ago, but or five years ago, it really leveled the playing field because then you could see every, you know, now we can see everything that's happening all over the world. And what you see is that Latin music is consumed in a huge way. Right. It gives you like a broader view of what's actually happening yes. worldwide. Yes, even though it's still a small percentage of all the revenues and uh, all the music revenues in the U.S., it's I believe it's six point something percent, which is very wow. little if yeah. you think about That's it. That's it. That is wow. it. Wow. That is it. But it's very massive everywhere. Yeah. It's very massive everywhere. So you see it in the global charts a lot. You will see music in English, and after that, you will see music in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the whole mishmash of what the charts have uh, sort of become. What, But it really shows what's happening with the music. And that's kind of one of the really cool things that I, I, I 
give praise to an organization like Billboard is that they've been able to evolve over the years, over the cent- over the decades, because it's a big deal to kind of maintain relevance as a as a magazine, as a media outlet, as now what somebody has looked to, you know, for many many years. And we've seen a lot of you know outlets come and go, but how mm-hmm. do you think you know Billboard has maintained that relevance? You know, was it the editors? With the was it the higher ups that maybe saw a different vision than than some of the others? Uh, well, we've had a lot of changes through the years, and yeah. least a lot of changes while I've been there, <laughs> like <laughs> a million changes. But I think that the the charts are the backbone of the brand. And the charts really are unassailable. They they truly are. You may agree with the methodology, you may not, but those charts no los toca nadie. ¿Me entiendes? Right. Like nadie los toca. No hay manera, mm-hmm. no hay forma. I cannot tell you how many times people call me and they're like, oh, can you help me uh, get on billboard or thank you so much because <laughs> I made it to number one. And I'm like, you know, honestly, I had nothing to do with it. Like, even if I, 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 I used to get those calls. I used to get those calls by record promoters. Hey, hey, chart my record, chart my record, chart my record. Like, like, I'm, I'm not playing a freaking share song. I'm all like, you know, that's not my shit. And they're like, they're pissed off. I'm all like, hey, you know, I'm going to stick to my guns. And that's what billboard has always been. Those charts have always been, you know, right down the middle this is what's hot this is what's playing yeah this is now how does it get played i see no pero we we you know the, the charts are the charts and and uh i have to say that the leadership at billboard even before me they really you know there were a couple of people there that really believed in latin um i can't take all the credit there were a <laughs> bunch of uh, gringos yeah. who didn't speak spanish and who thought there's something here mm. and they created, you know, the conference was created before I came to billboard. Uh, the awards were created before I came to billboard. There was a billboard Espanol at some point. There was like a, a Spanish section in the magazine years ago. This is, I, I had no idea about this. So, so there were people that, that had their eye on it and we had the billboard charts for a long time, the Latin charts. I mean, and uh, and now we've been we were bought by Penske Media um, a couple of years ago, and they definitely are very vested in Latin, very vested in Latin, and we're launching Billboard Español in September. Oh, well, that's so exciting! Wow. Yes, wow, that's, that's a big deal. That is a big so, deal. It is a big deal. You're hearing it first, first Woo! official. You, you know what's weird is now we thinking like, why wasn't this done before? Right. Yeah, that's amazing. Congrats to Billboard. Congrats to you. I mean, you were really kind of one of those people on the forefront of making this happen. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I think now we can do it, right? It's going to be digital only. Uh, But we have this, I think, this really avido audience por todo el mundo, you know, like these fans that want right, to read about music and want to see what's happening and want to know and are hungry for information. And that's, this is for them. Esto and, es para ti, mamita. <laughs> que se lo merecen porque lo, lo quieren y lo buscan. But I know you're very humble. Y, you know, let's give you a little bit more credit. Yes, you know, the Latin Billboard was there before you, before you came to Billboard and the conference was there. But Leila, you did take it to the next level, especially yeah. when it comes to the Billboard Latin Music Conference and the award show. You did take it to the next level. 
Oh, thank you, Billy. Yes. I tried. I so t- take it and embrace that and own it, girl. <laughs> and and you've done so much other stuff besides Billboard, but I mean, talking about all these books that you've written and really a documentarian for the history. But I mean, we got we got to get into at least a little bit and decoding Despacito because obviously that book alone, you know, in in more recent times is 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 a very cool kind of snapshot of these songs that that really kind of dictated, you know, movements and pointed out a, a, a that special time in our lives. You know, talk to us a little bit about the book, though. Oh, I love my book, Raul. What can I say? We all do. <laughs> we, we love we your have, book. <laughs> we have to love our books. Uh, but uh, but that book in particular, yeah, the, the, um, I have been asked to write a history of Latin music, and I, I just didn't even know how to begin to do that. And and I love writing what we call oral histories, which is mm-hmm. we, we do that a lot with songs in Billboard. Like at the end of the year, we'll take songs that are that have been number one and we tell the story of the song. And so we interview all the people involved in the song. And I thought, OK, we can do this by going really deep and making like each oral history, like really extending it and really talking to everybody as much as we can about how they made the song. And to me, the creative process is so fascinating mm. uh it's so fascinating how something starts empieza una semillita and then it goes in one direction and then it goes into another and there's so many forces that can affect it and then at the end you have the song and then suddenly the song connects with people so i find all of that story really fascinating and what i did is i picked it it was going to be 20 songs right but at the end i lost one so it was 19 songs <laughs> and I did limit the time because I wanted to speak to artists that were still alive. Right. And uh, and I started with Jose Feliciano. I ended with Rosalia. And uh, and I hope to do a part two. So I'm that's sure you will. And a part now. three también. There's plenty of songs. There's plenty of songs out there. Conociendo right? a Leila, I'm sure that we'll have part two and part three. Leila, you have great access to up-and-coming artists as well. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned that you are a fan of our podcast because we're able to combine established artists with up-and-coming artists. Yeah. Do you you feel like you've developed the ear and the eye to kind of like pinpoint who's going to make it and who will survive? Oh, wow, Pini. Do you feel you have... No, definitely not. I didn't think that. I, was I have be a crystal that, ball that right that here he that tells me. I have a crystal ball <laughs> that right here. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No way. Um, I think I sometimes think I do. Like, I'll sit and listen to someone. I think, oh, this is never going to work. Uh, but then, of course, we've been proven wrong many times. Uh, many times. But I do think, and I still think this that what I think breaks out from the pack is the stuff that really is distinctive. And Bad Bunny did have that from the very onset. That's true. You know, he had he had a voice that was completely different. And then, you know, his whole persona was kind of interesting and fascinating. Yeah. So I do think that that's really important. And it's not just sounding different, though. I think you have to be kind of very intentional. You have to really know what your sound is, even though your sound is developing. I think we ask a lot of these young artists nowadays. Um, and I do think that you have to you have to be relentless. You have to just work and work and 
and work and work and yeah and uh, nine times out of ten it's not going to work out and do you think you need to you need to know how to deal with the media like media training it's so interesting you should say this today we had our, our we have our latin meeting every tuesday and we were talking about an artist that i wasn't in the interview but they were telling me oh my god this person urgently needs media training i think it's I huge spend. yes and uh, and media training not just to be polite although that's important <laughs> but also to tell us the things that that people want to know about it's it's uh you know i think people love to hear about personal stories they love to they like to hear about how songs were made they I mean, like we all hear... know how frustrating it is to interview someone whose answer is yes yes no, no. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yes no <laughs> but that's but, where we come in you know that's where yeah. our journalism and our expertise comes in where it's like hay que sacarle lo mejor exactamente have you ever been lost for words or, or writer's block or anything like that when you're coming up and oh my and god deal with yes it? Well, when I do my billboard interviews, which are like how what you're doing to me now, I always, even though I, I, I don't like to like particularly look at notes when I interview, I have to say that I always have like a little notepad, which is a bit of a crutch. I shouldn't use it. But then I always write like, if, it, if I'm in a public setting, like if I'm on television or live or anything, I will have like 50 questions. In case I get yes, no, yes, no, and then right. in 15 minutos de pronto se acabaron 30 preguntas y uno no tiene nada, you know? And then you're like, oh my God, ¿qué más le pregunto? So right. I, I do try to come prepared. I come prepared, Raúl. I have to. ¿Qué hago? Sí, no, we do the same. We do the same. Yeah. We always have yeah. oh, too many questions, which is a good problem to have. Yes. Leila, yes. thank you so much for your time. We're so excited. We'll hopefully see you at the Latin Billboard Music Conference and Awards. Yes. Um, that's coming up in September. That is September 26th through the 30th. The Billboard Music Awards are September 29th. But I hope all of you will be here in Miami at the Faena Forum. And we have a great lineup. <laughs> I'm sounding media trained, right? <laughs> 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 but we do. No, we have, yeah. you know, let me tell you who we have confirmed so far. We have Romeo Santos. We have Cheyenne. Woo! I knew Pili was going to like that. <laughs> we have Bizarrap. Hey, me too, me too. I Ooh, can appreciate it. We have Bizarrap. Bizarrap yeah. is fun. We have Ovi on the drums. He's going to do a song with Bless. We have Yaritza y Su Esencia. We have Eslabon Armado. Um, Mucha we variedad. Have That's great. Mucha variedad. We have Camilo. Uh, so... I think it's going to be a great year. It's a challenging year, uh, but we have really a great variety of artists. I think it's going to be really, ex really, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think it's a fun event. So claro you two have got to be there. We'll be right? there. Then. I yes. know Pili is always there. I don't know if Raul is. So I've never been, you. but I got to go. I will be there. <gasps> Dale. Leila, thank you so much. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate this. Abrazote. Bye-bye. We'll see you soon. And there you have it. Leila Cobo joining Woo! us for our latest edition of Behind the Industry. So insightful. And she's a sweetheart. She's a dear friend. Definitely follow her on all her social media. Ben, 
But you know, that that is pretty impressive when you think about it. If you're really going for it and nine out of 10 times, that 90% most of the time, it's going to be tough and there's going to be maybe a setback or something, but you still have to have that hope and you have to keep going at it and just not give up. I mean, those are pretty powerful words. I mean, the music industry and the the arts in general, the entertainment industry, it's an, it's a, it's an uphill battle. And I think sometimes because we have music at our fingers and music is all over, we kind of take that for granted. We forget how much work and discipline it takes to actually make it. And like Leila, Leila says, you know, you have to be relentless. You have to yeah. put in the work and you have to believe in yourself. Because even some of these artists are not even that, that talented, but they have put in the work and they have the discipline and that's what makes them stand out. Yeah, it's the constant struggle of success. But then at the same time, if you're passionate about your art and you're, you know, what I always say is to a lot of people is like, look, do what you love, follow your passion, follow your heart. The, the money will come. Don't focus on, you know, trying to be a millionaire, a gazillionaire, whatever it may be, you know. Do your do your art and eventually you will be successful at it and the money will come eventually. Hopefully. <laughs> I think definitely. I like positivity, Philly. Positivity. I know, I know, but you and I know. Like, let's be real too. You and I know. We've interviewed so many amazing artists that we're like, oh my God, they have every single element. They check all the boxes to be successful and they don't make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think I think there's a there's a power to in and a success in in being true to yourself. And yes, I think that that's, that's really the, the, the rule number one. And, you know, in your art and in whatever you're going to be passionate about is just follow it and, you know, never give up. I mean, the whole thing about it is you, there's going to be setbacks. And even if you think it's amazing and this is the best thing possible in the world, it may not be be a success still you know but you got you you just can't let that put you down and, stay true and to you yourself back. you just gotta yep. keep going at it and at it and at it and work work stay. work just like Layla yep. says and for more inspiration make sure to check out billboard latin music awards september 29th raul always a pleasure likewise billy bye bye <laughs>